from Bureaucracy's Basement to your ears, this is the weekly meeting of the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Each week, the dedicated staff of the Bureau meet to file reports, make recommendations, and survive on water that drips from the boiler pipe into our open mouths as we sleep on a bed of dot matrix printer paper in the storage closet. One day, maybe, we'll escape from the subterranean hell that is the basement beneath City Hall, but until that day, this city is not going to improve itself. This meeting is now in session. Happy social distancing to you. And to you too, sir. So I was thinking of a, of a career change. Oh, were you? What were you thinking well, of Well, I was, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm a dedicated bureaucrat, as are you, but we're also on the radio. So I was thinking of becoming uh, a shock jock. Ooh, you'd like, be great at that. Like, wh- what's he going to say next? Shock jock. I'm frequently shocked by the, the things that you say. That's right. I mean, I'm already like a, I'm a, I'm a shock jock at heart. So why not put it on my uh, LinkedIn I profile? Like, yeah. And when everybody like, tries to message me on LinkedIn, I'll say, ha, huh, you've been shock jocked. Shock jock. Like, I think this is what shock jocks do. I'm not, I don't really know. I've just heard the term. The, I, the way you're talking about it, it feels more like you're going to be more of a startle jock where you leap out and do like, or a jump scare jock. <laughs> jump scare jock. Yeah. I, that's, that sounds like rather than saying like controversial things for like rednecks ears, I could just like leap out of people yeah. and say shock jock. Yeah. All right. That's, that's good. Okay. My, my, uh, my life path is settled. Uh, should we take attendance? We should take attendance. Okay. Uh, okay. First attendee, um, Duple Hackney. There is no, have... no Duple Hackney. No Duple Hackney. Uh, he bills himself as the man who came from nowhere amount and amounted to nothing, but he started a YouTube channel. Uh, no. Apparently on the channel, he, uh, he crinkles candy bar wrappers while staring dead-eyed into the, into the lens. Um, sometimes goes on tremendously bigoted rants about video games that he will never play and uh, likes to rate the smell of new insoles. Oh, well, so just your standard YouTube fare then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a typical YouTuber, but I thought we could, you know, he could give us the, the YouTuber's perspective on things. Right. What does a typical YouTuber think about things? Uh, they think that things are uh, too politically correct. Oh. I think. I think that's what they think. Uh, anyway, um, he's not here, so we'll have to make do. Uh, he's probably, I don't think he can actually leave his basement because uh, for every moment that he's not in front of his camera, he loses views right. and actually gets uh, shocked by electric shock um, as incentive. And I suspect probably, he's probably facing so many restraining orders that the, uh, he can't actually leave his basement without, without violating one of them. That's right. They all overlap around his place. Yeah. yeah. He can't even go upstairs because he, his mother, his mother has a restraining order against him apparently. So he's stuck there. Um, oh, hold on. You know, I think I've, um, I think I mixed up the letters in his name. No. Just, just wait a sec. Yeah. I, no, it's true. Um, should be Paul Deschen. That is me. Oh, okay. Well, you're here. I am totally. Awesome. I will put you down as here. Um, Okay, your second attendee is a grown man-aid. No. Grown man-aid. A grown man-aid. Uh, I, have, I have actually some, some copy here that goes to go with grown man-aid. Uh, it says, what is he? Uh, who is he? Did he appear in a New Jersey alleyway 
clad only in a tunic of unknown material and only able to speak in a high-pitched screech more akin to cetacean than humans? Or was he born just outside of Punachai in 1982 and is now the part owner of a Ford dealership in Bigger? Huh. One thing for sure, he's not here. That is true. And I'm ambivalent between either of those origin stories. I like both of them, frankly. Yep, me too. I mean, if I need a new car, I want to go to Bigger or Rosetown to get it. Um, he, oh, hold on. Sorry, this, this is a little embarrassing. Uh, should be um, Hayden Morgan? That's actually you, sir. It is? Mm-hmm. Well, fantastic. Okay, I'm here as well. Um, and I'm not from a New Jersey alleyway or from Punachai, so... Strange mistake. Strange mistake to have made. Strange mistake to have made. All right, let's uh, let's keep going. I believe we have a guest who is very patiently waiting right now. We do, um, because there was a big uh, press conference today, the day that we're recording this meeting, uh, from Scott Moe, the uh, illustrious premier of the province of Saskatchewan, about the, about the provincial back to school plan, which I didn't watch the whole of. So fortunately, we have. Um, uh, Tammy Robert here. The uh, how would you describe yourself, Tammy? Like blogger? Uh, <laughs> Depends on the day. It seems like um, I've kind of reverted back to communication strategy. But um, y- you name it, they've named. You know, they probably called me it. So you know that. But I would say that it, Saskatchewan politics, though, is my is my hobby, I guess. <laughs> yeah. um, so uh, you've, I, I know that from uh, Twitter that yeah. you have, um, you've been following the, uh, the back to school plan uh, very closely. I'm, I'm assuming that's because, you know, you, you have kids. Yeah, I do. I have a 16 year old who's going back, uh, hopefully to grade 11. And I have an eight year old, soon to be nine year old. He's entering grade four. Wow. Uh, so this this touches you personally, but also you, you've been following like uh, uh, Saskatchewan politics for as long as I've been in the province of Saskatchewan. So, w- what's your impression of where things are at with the back to school plan as of today? Um, like just on a on a, a logistics level, on the like on the non political side, it is it's clearly not sufficient. Um, just as a parent, they. The, the 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 this it, it's it's as if they want to manage an outbreak as if we're going back in the midst of an outbreak or a or an inevitable outbreak as opposed to preventing one where it, it's it's just the most bizarre um anti-science anti-planning um it, it makes no sense it just absolutely makes no sense i am actually struggling for words and i rarely do that but this is that bad um, but uh, we were assured during the press conference today by our Premier Mo that uh, they've been working hard on this every day and that they're not behind schedule and that, uh, that, that this isn't just a plan that they have thrown together at the last minute to uh, shore up support uh, amongst parents. Uh, and I, I, I was assured by a bunch of uh, like old white guys in suits who, uh, who homeschool their kids that this is a great plan, like just the best. Um, a lot of the things that Premier Mo had to say today uh, in, in today's news conference were, I mean, I don't want to say false, 
But we are bordering on that sort of Trumpian style of, if I say this is the way it is, this is the way it is type thing. So this isn't, this isn't normal. And it's, it's, it's not as bad as what we're seeing in the, in the Oval Office in the White House press briefings right now, but it's getting there. That was absolutely ridiculous to suggest that, you know, this has been some kind of a long, drawn-out process. Um, nobody believes that. Well, yeah, I was, was going to say, um, uh, it, it was pretty clear that when they came up with their original plan, which was nothing, um, that they'd had months to figure out how to do nothing. And now that, and they're sort of given another couple of weeks to come up with something, but there was no way they were going to come up with anything more coherent with just a couple of weeks. Like, as I said to Paul earlier, like grad students cramming at the last minute, like their assignments aren't going to be any better. No, they're not. But, you know, let's go back to April and, you know, we were this 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 pandemic struck when the teachers were actually in the middle of what could have been an escalating strike action um and immediately after this happened well within a matter of weeks anyway they went ahead and signed the contract that they had been fighting and one of the things that they had been fighting for was uh class size so I do have to say it's not that this I, I, the STF knew this was a problem just as much as the government. So yes, the, everybody, I guess is my point, has had time to get to this point. I don't think there's ever been any doubt since the beginning we've been talking about how this thing spreads. Um, you know, so I don't think there's ever been any doubt that putting 30 kids in a classroom um, wasn't going to work. And and keep in mind that it's not just the little kids right my son is six foot two 210 pounds he's a man like or he looks like one anyway i can't fathom that his body is going to treat this um virus any different than than say his dad's would so i i really at, at the end of the day the buck stops with gord wyant and scott moe and jim Ryder, wherever he may be um <laughs> But I think that this one is going to go down in history as a failure on a number of fronts. Um, well, just on the specifics of what was announced today, I'm just kind of curious to see if any of this sort of, um, I don't know, mollifies your concerns or, you know, alleviates your concerns. Uh, the province, uh, so Mo announced $40 million, which she claims is uh, additional funding, 20 available to school divisions on application, 10 to enhance uh, distance education, 10 for uh, buying PPE. And then there's going to be uh, communication of school plans uh, will be completed by no later than August 26. And then uh, more testing um, across the province. Uh, Mo was adamant that this is, you know, above and beyond awesome. Um, how, how do you feel about that? What was announced? Well, I mean, again, we go back to this sort of Trumpian um, spin on something that is clearly not what he says it is. So, you know, you can announce that kind of funding all day long for it. We don't know. And I'm not entirely certain the school divisions know, um, you know, what's the process for acting 
um, accessing it? How long will it take to access it? And there's also the idea of purchasing power and then all these school divisions actually having to go out and spend that money, whether it's on hiring or supplies or whatever it may be. So I don't know, like great, but it's not going to do us any good in October. Um, this all should have been in place right now and we shouldn't be starting until it is. Yeah. Somebody on Twitter, I don't know, like I haven't fact checked this number, but it sounds true. Um, pointed out that $20 million is not a lot of money when you break it down to a per school level. They were saying it was like $56,000 per school in Saskatchewan. I can't say that for sure, but that sounds about right. Um, that's one caretaker for the year, right? 56 grand, like maybe two part-timers, uh, I don't know, an EA. Um, that's, when, you, when you think about how are they going to distribute this to all the schools, it doesn't end up being a lot of money, despite the fact that $20 million to school sounds like a big number. I mean, yeah, it does. And he did say today, which obviously makes sense, that he couldn't guarantee that it was going to be distributed evenly. Um, and I would assume that that would mean then that someplace like Carleton in Prince Albert, which I believe is the biggest high school in the province or the, with the highest attendance anyway, there's something like two, over 2,000 kids at that school. Um, I'm assuming the money would go then to a place like that that would need more, but then that doesn't really help us understand how much is going to be left for going to be left for everybody else so is it going to be allocated on a per student basis that makes the most sense but it doesn't sound like it so you know who knows yeah um yeah i think who knows to be like one common refrain with with this with this new iteration of the plan yeah exactly i i think well, first of all, we're on 91.3 FM CJTR Regina Community Radio, and this is the Queen City Improvement Bureau. We're talking with Tammy Robert about uh, the province's uh, back-to-school plan, such as it is. Um, I think if like this funding, every everything about this is so backloaded at the end of the summer, like even saying, oh, well, we're making sure, we've heard from parents that they want more information, and so... Uh, we're going to make sure that parents are, have, you know, the information about how the schools are going to be doing their plan by August 26th, which, you know, originally was like less than a week before school started. Um, and then pushing back the start date. It's not just like cramming everything to just before finals. It's like asking for an extension. Um, I, I think one of the things that people were asking for was, some kind of like certainty and some confidence that people knew what was going on. And nothing about this feels like uh, there's any certainty. And it doesn't, I don't think it like delivers that confidence. No, not at all. But I think that what we're seeing is likely reflective of what's going on behind the scenes, which is essentially chaos. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you've got, when you think about these, the four at least institutions in our province that are, supposedly all working together on this it almost defies logic that we would even think that it wouldn't be chaos you've got the ministry of education you've got the ministry of health then you've got sask health and you've also got exec council slash the sask party caucus office so <laughs> you know and when's the last time you saw any of them together when's the last time writer appeared at a news conference with with wyatt 
Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it made absolutely no sense that he wasn't there, but he wasn't there. So, you know, one can kind of sense without being, you know, a, a psychic or, you know, that there's something wrong. Um, but I think that that's the point. I, I can't imagine that behind the scenes, this is anything other than not just chaos, but I mean, tragedy, really. I really have never seen anything like this. And of course, I'm not, I'm only 42, but I've studied Saskatchewan political history, you know, pretty closely. And this is a Shakespearean style (laughs) tragedy, just on a purely political level. Do you think this is getting through to like, like, do you you think they're sensing the tragedy of this? Do you think this is going to impact the Sask party in the elections? Oh, uh, absolutely, I do. Now, that being, it is early by, you know, any kind of political standards, but the, the odds that are currently stacked against them right now and the list of things that could and, in fact, will likely go wrong between now and then is mind-boggling. Like, in a way, I feel sorry for them. But at this point... You know, I was watching the six o'clock news uh, before we sat down to do this and they were doing what, you know, in the media biz we call streeters, which is just approaching, you know, strangers or random strangers in the street, essentially, and asking them what they think about an issue. So on this one, they were on a playground and it was mom after mom, white suburban mom. That is the SAS party's swing vote more or less for those urban ridings for sure but remember all of those they all have moms and dads and maybe maybe living in rural saskatchewan i mean that's their grandbabies health and safety that we're talking about but you know when you go up to these random women and they just singularly eviscerate mo and the government you know that this is an issue that has transcended sort of your normal chattering class. This is an issue that is permeating the mainstream of mainstream. And it's not good. And it's, it's every day that goes by that this continues is an exponential, um, you know, it's just the, 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 it, it's going to get more and more difficult to turn around. It just grows. The, the liability, the mm-hmm. deficit grows exponentially that you then have to make up the ground you have to make up so no am i predicting a blowout no but i'm closer to predicting a loss than i've probably been in the last 12 years now that's not very close but you know what i mean like all of a sudden everything has changed and when you look at where they were in march and and what they had teed up to knock over, to go into an, a, a writ period and very likely would have destroyed the NDP for good compared to where they are today. And it's remarkable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you have a sense, like, do you, do you have an idea of what you would have wanted to see from the government? Yeah, the, the, I would have wanted them to have, they could have rented out the Queensbury Center, the Saskatchewan or the Saskatoon Prairieland Ep- Exhibition Buildings in Saskatoon. They could, there's copious amounts of commercial space. They could have moved schools out to the GT freaking H. They didn't. <laughs> they, they, they should have created the space 
and made allowances for the, the staff and resources that would have been required to, in some areas, double or triple the amount of space that, that kids had and teachers had to work in. Um, and Mo alluded to something today about um, uh, how they could just go up the road. I don't know what he said. It was absolutely absurd. And right. if, if too many people in schools, they can just go down yeah, the road just to go the next street or, or, you know, something like that. And I mean, that, those are the, those are the sound bites that will just come back to haunt him. But at least, you know, that's the first I've ever even heard him acknowledge that 30 kids or 40 kids in a classroom is not a good idea during a pandemic that is spread the way this one is spread. So yeah, it's, that's what should have been happening. And that is what still needs to happen. And if, I mean, my kid, he's eight. He got his masks in the mail today. He put them on, you know, he like, they're, they're fun. They're sharks and they're, you know, they're puppies and they're all kind of, you know, they're kids. But he's touching it. He's pulling it under his chin. He's, his, he's chewing on it. Like, I'm just <laughs> like, and I mean, he's a typical eight-year-old. So I don't know, like, I, I guess we're gonna have to practice a lot. But can you imagine these rooms of kids? We're, we see the only place we've seen this work with masks or just masks is Korea. And our kids are not disciplined like or raised like, like Korean mm-hmm. kids, right? So to suggest that that approach is going to work in North America is ridiculous, especially mm. when we see poll results that come in that tell us that 30% of the province isn't even trying to, to do anything to mitigate. So these kids, a lot of these kids are coming in with attitudes already, or they've not been practicing social distancing or wearing masks or anything at home. And so they're, those kids, especially, this is going to be, they're either going to have attitudes about it and not want to do it, or they're, they're not going to know how to do it, or their parents aren't going to support them in doing it. You know, there's just, there's a lot of things that can go wrong when you are expecting the behavior of children to determine the life and death of the community at large like think about that we are we're we're hinging our communities and our seniors especially on whether or not these kids will clean their workspace which i think was another one i mean this is this is it's singular it's insane we've seen in saskatchewan for that for him to suggest that we are somehow different or special which i this is a a time and tried and true strategy in saskatchewan you know we're always a little bit different we're always special can't happen here well we've seen it happen here we've seen what this virus does when it gets in we've mm-hmm. we know how it hunts we've seen it hunt We've seen it hit the marginalized, the overcrowded. We've seen it hit those that are already living communally, which is obviously um, a factor. But we've seen it find its way into anything and anywhere that it could. And then we've also seen who it kills once it gets in there. And we stand in here in our privileged circle demanding to know why we're like almost indignant you know, that, that we're so safe and this can't be a thing and this can't be real. And it's just, I think history is going to frame that 
really poorly. Um, and I, I don't really want to be on the wrong side of that one because it's, you know, every time we lift one of these defenses and keeping kids out of school was absolutely one of the first defenses and it's been the longest defense. And now we're lifting it because we say that we, it can't happen here, but it's only not been happening because that's been one of our defenses. It just, it makes no sense. Yeah. Um, we have five minutes left. Uh, I want, do you, can I ask, uh, have you made a decision about what you're going to do with your kids? No, no, I haven't. Um, it may be different for the kids. Uh, my son, obviously my 16 year old, it, uh, he wants to go to school. He wants to be with his friends. Um, you know, I'm blessed with a pretty trustworthy kid. So I think that I can trust him to do the right things. He understands the stakes. Um, the eight year old, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't want to teach him trust me. So, you know, I'm not, but it's just, it's, it's a bizarre experience. You know, I finally kind of broke down and bought his school supplies online, just hit the button, which is really all you have to do now. And uh, that, you know, normally this would just be an entirely different process at this time of year. We'd be starting to, you know, get bedtime routines back in order and all that kind of thing. And it just doesn't even feel like there's any point. Yeah. Because it just doesn't feel like this is going to work. Yeah. So as a parent, you know, it's, it's not a healthy space for parents to be in. And, and for him to, you know, be asked today, for Scott Moe to be asked today if he was interested in apologizing to <laughs> families for causing this kind of stress. And it is stress. I am very fortunate because I work at home. I can relatively adapt. But, mm -hmm. you know, if you're a single mom working shifts and you're facing getting a call from school, you know, once a week or twice a week to come pick up your kid because, you know, he or she sneezed or has a cold or whatever, or the classroom's been shut down because, you know, her classmates' parents are both have it. I mean, you can't work like that. It's, it's not going to work. So there's all these, like I talk about these tiger traps and they're just overwhelming. And if they had, actually put some thought into this they would have figured that it's not that complicated yeah what why do you think the saskatchewan government has lagged behind pretty much every other province on this uh, including alberta alberta is like more on the ball than we are right now which just boggles my mind frankly um like barely. So i'm wondering uh, <laughs> <laughs> but barely, but but still, um, but I, I mean, we've we've you've sort of alluded to you know sort of behind the scenes chaos or whatnot. But if you had to sort of sum it up in, in your mind, what what do you think the how would you how would you describe the issue? How would I describe why we are where we are, or the issue? Uh, why we are where we are? Incompetence. I mean, this is this is a government that's had it easy and it's they're not the first government in saskatchewan to have had it easy because we're a cyclical resource-based economy and mm -hmm. they've but once upon a time we not only elected people that wanted to be politicians for the right reasons that wanted to be elected for the right reasons which was the people they serve not you know making their friends and themselves rich um you know, but we hired skilled and, and, and politicians. And we also had, up right until the 80s, we had uh, one of the most incredible public services in the world. You know, Europe was studying our public service 
for how nonpartisan it was, for how skilled and experienced and well run it was. And then Divine gutted it. The NDP never really built it back up. And the South Party finished it. There's no skill and experience in the deputy minister's offices. They are people's kids. They are their buddy's niece. Like there, if we if we had the people in these roles that understood how to govern and were policy driven and science driven, not politics driven, we wouldn't be here. But you know, this is what I've been saying for five years: is that this was a government that was hollowing itself out. It didn't have the skills required to govern when things got tough. And man, did they ever! Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well. Um- Sorry to have to say this, but I, we have to like uh, we have to move on. We're running out of time, but no problem. Uh, thanks, uh, thanks a lot for taking some time out of your evening to uh, talk to us about this. No problem. You guys have a great night. Thanks so much. No, oh, thank-, thank you, Tammy. The Queen City Improvement Bureau would like to acknowledge the Regina Warehouse Business Improvement District for their support of our show. The Regina Warehouse Business Improvement District. Improving the district where there are warehouses in Regina. Okay, well, we're back from our chat with uh, Tammy Robert. That was uh, yes. delightful. Uh, I mean, she may, I think she's a little fawning over, over the provincial government. A um, little uncritical, but otherwise, you know, pretty good. Insufficiently critical for you? That's right. I was like, I was like, I can't take this pro-government propaganda from you, Tammy. I, I feel bad. She's taking she's taking a lot of heat. Uh, well, she's always taking a lot of heat for her uh, for her crit- critiques of uh, the provincial government. Yeah. And, uh, she's taking you know. Yes, for, a lot for, of yeah, for, yes, for for those who weren't here for the first half and are just tuning in now for some reason, uh, I I kid. She was not at all fawning or uncritical of the government she was holding them to account, which is one thing she does regularly on Twitter and is really good at. Yeah. But hey, uh, this is the point in the meeting where we usually talk about innovative revenue tools. Uh, I don't have an innovative revenue tool today, um, but we do have a a sponsor. Oh. Yeah, new sponsor this week. Just want to take a moment out to acknowledge them. Folks, do, do you wonder what it would be like if you didn't have to buy razors every month uh think about think about all the money and all the time that you spend you know going out to the store and then you 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 go to the aisle with all the razors and you know it's it's i don't know i find it crushes my spirit to have to pull one of those like overpriced packages of razors off the the hook and you know, I look at it. How does this little thing cost so much money? And then you use it for a bit, and there's all that plastic and the handle and the razor casing. And, you know, you're just going to end up throwing that all away. Yeah, I mean, what a what a nightmare, right? Just terrible. Your dream shopping trip becomes a nightmare every month when you need to get razors. And like, imagine, imagine if all that hassle and all that expense was just gone for your life. Wow. And folks. That's- have you ever thought about all the money that you spend on soap in a month? Oh my God. Hundreds of dollars? I don't know what it is, but it's a lot. It's a ton. It's a ton. Because you've got, you go to the store and you have to like walk up and down. There's, so, there's aisles and aisles of soap because there's so many different 
And they're all overpriced, all these soaps. There's hand soaps, dish soaps, floor soaps, counter soaps. Yeah. And then you have to choose from all the different, the odors. There's mm-hmm. pine, lemon, lilac, cucumber, melon, linen. The list just goes on and on. There's all these choices. Cool Arctic rush. Yeah. You know, folks, imagine, imagine a world where you didn't have to worry about going out and getting all these soaps and all these razors, if only there was an easier and cheaper way. Well, that's where this week's sponsor comes in, filth. Yes, filth. I have been wallowing in filth since March, and I am not looking back. So I'm hoping that anybody who's listening to our meetings will, you know, join me in filth. If you haven't already switched over to Filth, but you're considering it, you know, do so today and let our sponsor Filth know that we sent you uh, by entering the offer code I-G-I-V-E-U-P. Let the the fine folk at Filth know that the QCIB uh, sent sent you there. So is it description thing? Can you get 10% off your first month of Filth with with that code? Yeah, you know, the, the great thing about filth is that uh, uh, you don't really have to subscribe so much as just commit to it. Oh. Yeah. Love it. And filth, filth kind of finds a way to find you. Yeah, that's, I suppose that's a really good thing about filth is like soaps, razors, and all those things take effort and money and time. But filth really doesn't take any of those. It'll, uh, all you have to do is sit very still or, or do whatever you do. And filth comes to you. Yep. Just open your door and invite it in. And there it is. It's like a vampire that way. Except if you dump like a bunch of like rice or like cloves of garlic, it won't keep filth away. No. Filth will still come for you. It always does. And I've said as much in my my best-selling novel from the 90s, Appointment with Filth. Oh. Yeah. Tell me about it. Oh, it's a, it's a time travel um, coming-of-age thriller set in the Deep South and uh, very, very filthy. Not adult filthy, but just everybody gets into, like, mud and dirt. And uh, I devote um, probably 500 of the book's 522 pages to uh, descriptions of different kinds of filth. That's very you know, pigeon-esque. Like from like wet sand to like, you know, straight up mud to like, you know, gunk at the bottom of a river to industrial runoff, you know, filth of all descriptions. Is it your Moby Dick of, uh, of crust? Yeah, that's probably, um, one of the critics said it was the Moby Dick of something. Um, was it wasn't crust, but. Mm. I, you know, and I got the feeling that, that that critic did not mean it in a kind way. Uh, but I don't pay attention to like critics; they don't they don't know the, the the glories of filth as you and I do. But if you could go and give it five stars on Goodreads, I'd I'd really appreciate it. I need I need to get it out there. I'm doing a reprint. A reprint. Mm. It was it was a popular filthy filthy re- reprint. It was popular enough for a reprint. Well, I wouldn't say it was popular enough for a reprint. I, it's more like not enough people read it or bought it uh, at the time. Um, and I think they had trouble getting over all the descriptions of filth, frankly. Right. And you just got to give it, I mean, I know the first 300 pages or so are kind of slow, but you got to get in the mood. 
And, but, and once you get over that hump, like the action really picks up. Our hero uh, goes from uh, Kentucky in 1950s to Kentucky in the 1960s uh, in his time travel device. But it takes him, it, but it takes him 10 years to get there because his machine is all gunked up with filth. Right. That was a, that was a good decade for filth in Kentucky. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he spends 10 years in his time travel machine box just getting really, really grimy. And then he comes out and tries to like live his life and, and love as a, as a human man should, but just covered in filth and dirt. So you're reprinting this not so much to um, you know, provide the, the, the masses who didn't buy it and, and are clamoring for it uh, a chance to buy it. It's more just drawing it to people's attention again. So that maybe right. we'll buy it this time. It's more like a re-up than a re-release. Yeah, and I mean it's updated for 2020. Like um, everybody will be using uh, iPhones, you know, and and driving and driving Hyundai's. Okay, this is another good time for filth. An excellent time for filth. Yeah, that's what they're going to say that about the 2020s. Good time for filth. What a great time for some filth. Oh my God, and it's not a great time for a whole lot of stuff actually. No, it is not. That's why we, why we celebrate what we can celebrate. It is a horrible, horrible time. So uh, I did want to, there were a couple of things that uh, we didn't get to in the, um, in our discussion with Tammy about that uh, press conference today with Scott Moe that I, that I just wanted to touch on. Uh, one thing especially, now I, I, I don't have a clip uh, and I wish I did, but at one point when Scott Moe was talking about um, you know, some of the different types of education that are done in schools beyond just the classroom, um, how they're going to have to adapt to uh, the new normal with uh, COVID. He, uh, he mentioned band, and then he went on to say, as an aside, that uh, he was never any good at band, and they kicked him out of that class right away. And I thought, gosh, that is an awfully strange thing for our uh for our premiere to be dropping in a press conference yeah that's um i I, i'm not even sure what to make of that frankly yeah it was do you think do you think if we if we actually go back and look over his press conferences there'll be enough biographical details to like build like the secret biography of scott moe Ooh, now that's a book i'd read oh it's in there it's it's in my book of filth Uh, but all books are in that book eventually yeah yeah. If you rearrange the letters enough, which I, as you know, I like to do. You do. I, yeah, I just, it was, I, I found it odd because he said it in a tone that it almost sounded like he was bragging that uh, <laughs> band. Those, ner- I, those nerds wouldn't have me. Nerds. Yeah, yeah. And it left, it left me wondering if, if maybe his like scarring experience at band is why he and his government are just not paying enough attention to education. That, uh, that might be it. Maybe, maybe if maybe if we get to the heart of the the scared, the scared vulnerable child inside, you know, the gruff exterior of Scott Moe, he can we can unlock his heart and uh, have him come up with a plan that takes some responsibility. Yeah, this is something you have to take seriously because when you know people fail at art and then wind up as politicians. <laughs> okay. It doesn't matter. Okay, okay. Please, please don't finish that thought. Anyways. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. I just thought that was worth uh, exploring <laughs> briefly. It was a strange aside, 
at an otherwise very humdrum and boring uh, press conference. I've got to say, I'm I'm also a little bit, I'm also feeling a little bit sorry for Scott Moe and for the SAS party government on this, because I don't know about you, but uh, since March, when all of the uh, lockdowns started, I certainly have been like showing up for work and not really feeling, sitting down at my desk and not being the most productive. And uh, I, I think we're seeing a little bit of that at the provincial level here. You know, perhaps a bit of like pandemic drag going on. A little too much um, Netflix and Candy Crush and not enough, you know, knuckling down and uh, getting to those Zoom meetings and uh, doing your work. Yeah, it's possible they might have all been like busy, like playing like Animal Crossing or something. Yeah, yeah. and they'll start like, like, like just in the middle of the, just in the middle of the of the press conference, Scott Moe suddenly goes on an extended rant against Tom Nook and and his usurious practices. Yeah, I I do wonder how many Zoom meetings they've had at the provincial level, uh, where they were making jokes about paying for uh, education supports with turnips. I really hope so. I I I would like to, I would like to think that the people in charge, if given what little they've given us in the way of a plan. Um, I would forgive them if they were just really busy with Animal Crossing or like even Tetris. I'll yeah. give them at this point. Yeah. If Scott Moe's press conference today was, you know, look, I'm sorry, we're just getting the $40 million out the door today. But, you know, here's my island. <laughs> he, he shows us on this, the big screen uh, all the work he's been doing to, to make his island awesome. Or maybe he'll start start going on about how he's finally gotten into Game of Thrones. Yeah, it's like oh, I've been I've just been binging it. I can't wait for season eight. I bet it gets really good, and nobody has the heart to tell him the truth. Or um, oh look, I, I've made the Rough Rider logo in Minecraft. Oh look, I've created the CCL seventy in Minecraft. What's that? What? Sorry, what was that? You broke hey, wait a minute, Paul. Yeah, sorry. I just I just realized uh, I was making a CFL cancellation joke. But it suddenly occurred to me, if you were so inclined, you could build Mosaic Stadium in Minecraft. You could. And with redstone, you could make it so that there was actually a retractable roof on it. Ooh, so it wouldn't just be roof ready. It would be roof full. Yeah. Yeah. The stadium would be roofied. Yeah. (laughs) You could... We could we could bring all the players into Minecraft and they could play the season out virtually. I don't see I don't see the problem with this. No. Yeah. Either do that in Minecraft or sort of do some weird unholy combination of Animal Crossing and the twenty twenty CFL season. And Winnipeg could have its own island. It could be a hub island. Yeah, I think this is the way to go. And then we could um we could project all of this on the giant screen in Mosaic Stadium, and we could bring in, you know, 5,000 people to socially distance and watch the CFL season in Minecraft in Mosaic Stadium. Yeah. I, I love this idea. I mean, I mean, what's that? I mean, they're not really doing much with the actual Mosaic Stadium at the moment, obviously. No. Um, so here's a question. Given that the season is canceled and we will not be having any football games this year in in Mosaic Stadium, what do you think we should do with that space? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Eh. Eh. 
You know, that's, uh, you'd, you'd think that of all the things that I would have prepared for today's meeting, that, that would have been at the top of my priority list. Well, I, I, have, I have an idea. Okay. Uh, and I, I haven't really done the math on this because I have just thought of it this moment. Uh, but I bet, I don't know, it's exceeding capacity of around 33,000. Give the six-foot social distancing, let's say you could fill it up to a third capacity. That's 18,000. Or, yeah, 20, no, geez, Aiden, around 10,000. Yeah, really haven't done the math. Um, you could probably put uh, school kids in there and conduct like mass, like mass education in yep. Mosaic Stadium. Yeah. And it may get a little chilly in the wintertime, but what, what better incentive to finally build in that retractable roof? Yeah. And you know, um, we got to toughen these kids up, especially if they're going to survive the COVID pandemic. So, you know, just get, exactly. get them to get up and stomp their feet a little bit and rub their arms and they'll be fine. Yeah. And I mean, they say Saskatchewan people are sort of special and different. And the truth is, I think they've uh, just been genetically engineered to survive like uh, minus 40 winters uh, for long, longer than the rest of us who are not Saskatchewan born. Yeah. So I think that's, so I think they could probably just manage it. Yeah. Um, it'd be nice to put something in like some, some spectator thing in though, that we mm -hmm. could enjoy all together. Um, the globe, uh, they're not able to put on shows right now in their space. So maybe it's around once again. So maybe, Ooh, we, could yeah. get, maybe we could get like shows, uh, theater in the center of the, uh, the stadium and Ooh. then have people like around and watch that. Right. Just tiny distant theater. Yeah. That could be great. Yeah. But beyond that, I don't know. Uh, we do, we do have an election coming up, two elections that we could, that could just be like the one polling station for everybody could be in the mm -hmm. state. Yeah. That could work too. So many, so many possibilities. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe if like anybody is listening to this and they have ideas for what to do with the stadium, they could send them to us uh, on Twitter at, uh, at QCI, uh, Queen City IB. That's right. Because it's been a while since we've gotten people uh, tweeting at us. And yeah. I would like to know why our faithful uh, Twitter followers have not been tweeting at us, Madeline. Yeah, Madeline. Where are you, Madeline? Yeah. I just. We, we thought we had an audience, yeah. but, but, but we have been betrayed. Abandoned. Stabbed in the back, as they say. Yeah. Uh, I got to say that, um, how many years ago was it now that we bought the stadium? Three years? Mm -hmm. That we dropped, we started dropping money and we're going to be putting, you know, over the lifespan of the stadium, uh, like $400 million of city money is going to go into paying for the stadium, paying for its upkeep, paying off the debt that we've incurred on it. And uh, it looks like, like with the CFL setting, shutting down for a season, uh, potentially for a second season, uh, they were not in strong uh, financial shape uh, at the beginning of this. So pre-COVID, mm -hmm. when COVID was just a glint in, glint in our eyes, um, the CFL was not a strong uh, sports uh, league um, 
we, we could have bought a gigantic stadium for a sport that's not going to exist for the 30 years that we have this stadium for. Yeah, you know, it seems we, we could have thought this through a little better, but yeah, why bother? Yeah. Yeah. And when we were like saying that this was a good investment, I think, uh, the idea that football would disappear was never even discussed. But when you think when you're getting a mortgage on something with a 30 year horizon, you think that that, that might have come into the discussion at some point, but uh, alas, no, there will always, yeah, football. There, there will always be football. Right. And the, I mean, and, and there will always be the writers. Although I do believe that they floated as is the playbook with these kinds of things. The, the, the vague threat that they might move to another city, which is what football teams or big sports teams do when they're worried that cities might not pony up huge amounts of money for a splashy new stadium. Yeah. I always thought we should have called the team's bluff on that. And then if we had just said, okay, yeah, move this, the move the rider to Saskatoon. And then you would have seen Saskatoon get this really like scared look on their face <laughs> away from the table. That was- that, that would have been that would have been exciting. Yeah. Now, they, maybe they would have picked up and moved to Nova Scotia and had them and, and terrorized the Maritimes with uh, with massive debt. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, that's but there's so so many things we could have done with that with that stadium. But right now it's laying empty. So. Yeah. Well, we'll have to put uh, put some more thought into what to do with it in the future because uh, it could be sitting empty for a very long time. Mm-hmm. But on that note, uh, we're running out of time here. The time locks are going to open oh. and yeah, let us out. So, All right. So I think we should call for an adjournment. Well, in that case, uh, should we, uh, should I? Okay, well, I, I move to adjourn. I second Which it. you second it? Yeah. All right. Motion has been seconded and meeting adjourned. You have been listening to 91.3 FM CGTR, Regina Community Radio. Tune into the community. This is the Queen City Improvement Bureau on Twitter at Queen City IB and not on Facebook at all. Uh, find us. I'll broadcast live 7 to 8 p.m. on Thursdays and rebroadcast 3 to 4 p.m. on Mondays. Coming up next, we've got the Nerdcore Cabaret with Maddie V, followed by the cockpit and music all on through the night. And that's it. Keep on improving, Regina.